Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. There are many forms of multiple sclerosis, and it affects people differently. One form of MS is optic neuritis, which is inflammation of the optic nerve that carries messages from the eye to the brain. Although optic neuritis is associated with MS, not everyone who has it will go on to develop it. And joining us today to talk about her journey dealing with this problem is Vicki Farrell, along with her husband, Mike, who join us from Pennsylvania. Thanks for doing this. And we should also tell our listeners, Mike, you just got back from the dentist. So um, if there's any slurring, we'll understand. <laughs> yes, I'm not drunk, but I'm glad to be here. Okay, great. Vicki, take us back to when you first noticed that maybe something was not right with you. Tell us about that. Okay, well, it was October 23rd, 2014. I uh, woke up and was heading to work, and I noticed that my left eye, the vision was very blurry, and I couldn't seem to clear and didn't have any focus. So I was um, going to proceed to work, figured it would go away when my husband stopped me and said, this is not good, you need to go to the eye doctor. So... I realized he was right, so then we immediately started to call around to get into someone immediately. And we did find a local eye doctor close by. Um, which they took us for the appointment, and they did probably, I don't know, three or four different tests at that time. And when they covered my left eye, actually, I'm sorry, my right eye, I realized I really couldn't see anything out of my left eye which I did not know that at the time, so I began to panic. Um, she basically woke up blind, yes. In my left eye. Wow. So um, then they actually kind of scared me as well because they said I, I had to go right away to a specialist up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, so we went there immediately, and they did yet more tests. And they came to the conclusion that they thought there was a blood clot traveling loose in my body. So they said I needed to go to the hospital right away. So from there, I went to Easton Hospital, which is closer to where I live. And I was admitted uh, for a series of tests um, released the next day. Uh, They didn't really find anything at that hospital. So they said what, what they said, if I can interject, if this doesn't screw sure. up your. No, it's good. What, what they actually said was she had to stay overnight. They did all kinds of nuclear Doppler tests, you know, every test known to man. They're like, oh, well, it must have it must have dissolved. You're you're good to go. Um, you know, we can't find a blood clot. So we bring her home and she's sitting on the couch and she's I don't know if she remembers this, but she mentioned that the light was bothering her eye from the from the lamp. I said. What what eye? She was well, my bad eye. I said that's a problem. I said because they're telling you your retina is dead, and if your retina was dead, you wouldn't be able to reflect light or see light. Mm-hmm. So that put us in the next panic mode. We got her down to Jefferson Hospital in Philadelphia, 
where she was diagnosed then with the optic neuritis. So basically she was misdiagnosed up here, lost valuable time and days. And that's what, um, that's what damaged her optic nerve to just about beyond repair. Wow. So yeah. it, it was a, it was definitely a, a misdiagnosis up here. What's irritating about that guys is she went to see a retina specialist because they told her she had a retina problem and she didn't have a retina problem. She had an optic nerve problem. And that's, that's pretty scary when you're going to a specialist for, for that. So, so she did go to Jefferson hospital. I'll let her take over shortly, but they pumped her full of steroids and blah, blah, blah. And they basically said, well, the sight you lost is never going to come back. And that's that. So basically we ended up, um, you know, just dealing with her MS diagnosis finally, and then she could take over from there. Vicki, what was going through your mind during all this? Well, <laughs> it was very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, you know, you want to believe what they're telling you, but as I've been bounced around from place to place, I started to realize, I don't know if anybody knows really what's going on. Um, so uh, at that time, you know, I didn't, really didn't know what to do, so I was relying on the doctors to help guide me. Um, so then when I did get to meet, um, they assigned me a neurologist uh, after they did the uh, the MRIs and things and diagnosed me. So when I went to him, they wanted to start me with Rebif and interferon in self-injections mm-hmm. three times a week. Uh, what what was that supposed to do, Vicky? Well, I guess that's their way of preventing any more... Um, Lesions. Any more lesions or, as I guess, episodes for MS, since there's so many different types of um, issues that can arise with the MS. And I only had optic neuritis at that time, and I, I still do. I've never, you know, had any other symptoms. So I was on that for maybe almost a year. And then when I had went back to follow up with the neurologist, they said, oh, your white blood cell count is too low. We need to switch your medicine to something else. Which I, I really didn't want to do the self-injections, but at the time I, I didn't, I thought it was the best thing to do. So you really have to take your health into your own hands and try to do as much research as you possibly can. And, um, Vicky, you were on you were on a slew of drugs over the years. Uh, were any of them helpful at all? No. The, the, what was the second one they put the, you on? The second one was Copaxone. I believe that's been around for quite some time, mm-hmm. according to the neurologist. Now, Ian, Ian and Corey, that was very evil because as I sat back as the husband, I'm only interjecting myself here for this reason. I watched my wife barely. She's tiny to begin with. I watched her barely eat her food. She maybe would eat half a plate of food. Um, then once she would get ready for bed at night, I was basically staring at a skeleton. Um, she went from a healthy 128 pounds or whatever it was down to 101. And I, and I, and I said to her basically uh, that night or the next day, I said, uh, we got options. We go back to your neurologist and we find something that works, that gives you an appetite back, or we start hitting cannabis oil and start hitting it hard. And that was a very easy sell for her. <laughs> she she said, let's do the cannabis oil. And ever since, everything's been onward and upward and fantastic. Yeah. 
So, Vicki, you went down to 100 pounds from 128, according to your notes. Um, yeah. How tall are you? About five, four, five, five. five, yeah. Yeah, so you were really, really thin. Yes. Scary thin. Scary thin, yeah. And that was that was a side effect of the medication, was lack of appetite, or did it make you too nauseous to eat, or, or what? Lack of appetite. She had no appetite. I also think it also caused a little bit of depression in her that she didn't even realize. Um, but I just saw she didn't really emulate a lot of depression symptoms as much as uh, fatigue. Uh, she, she runs around like a lunatic. She's like the Energizer bunny. She was really sluggish, really kind of like lazy. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, just her normal, per, you know, way she normally is. But then, like I said, I literally watched my wife literally wither away to just about nothing in front of my eyes. And and, and if, if you have time for it, I want Vicky to continue to go on her little thing here. But we want to get back to that neurologist because I got something to say. And this might, and it really might resonate with some other listeners that you cannot trust these people in the white coats. I'm not saying all. I am not saying all Western medicine and all doctors are bad. I'm not saying that. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there's some real dirty ones out there. Vicki, one of the things with um, optic neuritis and MS, I guess MS generally, is that you uh, experience eye floaters. They say this is common among uh, people with MS. Did you experience eye floaters? Maybe a little bit in the beginning, but not, I mean, my vision now, it, it has improved um, since I was first diagnosed, but it's not obviously not back to normal. They said it probably never will be, but I didn't really have too much floater issues. It's just um, if I close my right eye, my left eye is dark and blurry, and whenever they do the, the eye test, it's the, uh, the numbers with the dots you know, where you try mm-hmm. to see the different colors, I can't see any of that. Oh, so my okay. color my color is gone. Have, have you recovered any vision at all, Vicki? Yes. Um, I don't have the exact details, but it has improved. Right. Uh, right. Mike, you were saying uh, to avoid most white coats. I know when we first spoke about everything Vicki had been through, you had a bit of a story there about why you don't trust white coats you want you interested in sharing that sure well i first kind of quite at first i was happy that i was getting the medicine for free (laughs) um which you know i don't know if that's a common thing if it happens to everyone but that was really one of the reasons i said okay well let me try it it's not going to cost me anything it's they're telling me it's the right thing to do um then you know, I continued on, but I just, I don't know. I didn't really like the self-injections because of it ruins your body. And I'm really not big on putting, you know, chemicals in my body. And the neurologist was, I, I inquired about um, medical marijuana at the time. And he kind of just poo-pooed it and tossed it aside, said there's not enough research and didn't want to hear, you know, anything more about it. He was not open-minded. I'd asked about some other natural things I had heard of and he kind of shot down everything I requested. So that's when I kind of start to, uh, to lose some interest. But then I also did find out that, um, doctors 
do get a kickback from the drug manufacturers for the drugs that they uh, prescribe. Prescribe. Mm-hmm. And my doctor was one of them when I did look it up. Um, I don't recall when the database was ran. Um, I don't know how often they do it, but you know, for that drug itself, you got a substantial amount of money per year. Fifty-seven thousand, or something like that, <laughs> which yeah. kind of made me start thinking. You know, I need to take control of my own health and my life. Fifty-seven thousand dollars. Did I hear that right? That is that is documented public knowledge. We looked it up. Fifty-seven thousand dollars he received from Capaxon, the manufacturer of uh, of that drug. But the most egregious thing that this man did was, you know, luckily I have a lot of clients. Um, and one of my clients is a radiologist. So every time she would get one of these MRIs of her brain, she would get a disc to take home with her. We would take it immediately to my friend, Ned, who would read it on his computer. And we did this multiple times. And every time he looked and scanned and looked at her scan, he says, keep doing what you're doing, Mike. He says, you're doing good. He says, because everything looks good here. Everything looks the same, nothing new. Well, the last scan she got, she was supposed to, I guess the standard protocol is within about two weeks, she would get, you know, have to go back to see the neurologist to go over the scan. Well, we already know that the scan was good because my buddy said so. You know, he has no skin in the game. He's not going to lie to us. Mm-hmm. And um, sure enough, like two days after her scan, instead of waiting the two weeks, the office called her at work and said, you need to get in here as soon as possible. We found a large lesion on your frontal lobe. And... So she freaks out naturally. She calls me. I call Ned. My friend Ned loses it. He's like, he left his practice that he was at, and he ran to a the local hospital where this radiologist is, got into the scan room, and he knows what he's looking for. He's looking for a large lesion on her frontal lobe. And he's like, you know, how, how, can, I, how can I have missed that? And, he, and he's just really beating himself up all the way to the drive there. He gets there. Keeping in mind, he knows what he's looking for and still can't find it until he gets all the way to the last page, the last scan. There's a very large red circle and a large red arrow pointing to this little white dot. So he calls me. He says, well, I got good news for you. He says the the lesion he's uh, referencing, I could easily argue that that was there from the very first scan she had at her very first diagnosis. He says, I could argue that. He goes, but let me just do this. He goes, let me just say, Mike, that they're right and I'm wrong. He says, that's, he goes, that lesion that they're calling a lesion is so minuscule, so nondescript, it's not even worth mentioning. He goes, he goes, it's absolutely disgusting that they would call you with that and put that fear in you. So we felt really good about that because we trust Ned. So she's armed with this information. Now, my wife is pretty slick. Mm-hmm. She's armed with information, and thank the good Lord Jesus, I was not sitting across from this guy, and it was just her. And you know, he says, well, you know, you're still not on any medicine, right? And she says, nope. He says, well, I'm going to show you the reason why you should be. And he held it up. There it was, the skin with the big red arrow and a big red circle around his dot. And he says, you see that there? And she goes, you mean that big lesion? And he goes, yes, <laughs> this, giant, this giant lesion. Right there, we had that SOB, and if I would have been there, I would have drug him across. The, I would have drug him across the desk, and that's when I knew right then and there she was in bad, bad shape with this guy. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that having MRIs might not be able to help tell if there's new lesions, but you can't rely on how they read them. <laughs> you shouldn't manage it. 
through MRIs either, I don't think. He, he blatantly lied to push this poison. Uh, unbelievable story. That is an unbelievable story. How yeah. did, tell us uh, your journey with cannabis. How did that come into the picture? Well, that's kind of me on my end. Um, I, I started looking into cannabis oil for my very first Rottweiler many, many, many years ago, had cancer. I knew I could get a hold of cannabis oil, um, you know, through the underground type thing, through a, through a guy. I know I was a cop for 12 years, so I know a lot of shady people. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep those people, I keep those shady people close. You never know when you're going to need them. But a, a good, a good biker friend of mine, um, he says, Mike, he goes, I can get you the oil from California. Um, and he did. And I didn't know anything about dosing. I didn't know anything about cannabis oil just by what, I, from what I read. So I, I tried treating my dog that had osteosarcoma, bone cancer. Um, I didn't have success with it, but we tried, kept her comfortable. I, I was able to keep her comfortable without giving her any kind of like tremadol or bad medicine that would ruin her kidneys or something. And she had a good life there for a little while, but not too long. Um, and then I got uh, introduced uh, to a guy named Steve. And Corey, you know Steve Sizzik. Uh, Yes, I do. Um, yes. And yeah, Steve, Steve really is the one who then took me under his wing and says, listen, this is what we're going to do. He goes, you got a you got a large, great piece of property here to to grow what you need and process what you need. I'll teach you. And he's taught me everything he knows. And that's my story. And we've been treating people. Um, I've I've given out without exaggeration, tens of thousands. And I mean, tens of thousands of pills. Uh, that I make up for people and you know, you just can't help to want to help people because it works. Yes, it does Vicki, how much were you how much were you taking uh, initially? I Believe I had started out with a 50 to 1 ratio of white widow Now I don't know if these guys are gonna understand how we make our pills, but we make our pills with coconut oil and cannabis oil a mixture and we right we make them into pills. So she took a really, really a 50 to one, you know, 50, 50 grams of coconut oil to one gram of cannabis is what she started out with. Okay. Uh, was she doing I, this all orally, Mike, or did she do yeah. rectal dosing at all? Or Nope. She's never done rectal dosing. A matter of fact, my one milliliter syringes just came in the mail today. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> for, for me. But, uh, but yeah, the other thing I think too, uh, Ian, that we should make make re- reference in here, mm-hmm. which was a nice little surprise when she started up in her um, dosage of cannabis oil yeah. because she has a tolerance for it. Uh, I take a thirty to one ratio at night before I go to bed. She takes a thirty to one ratio at lunchtime at work. So it, to- it tells you how far <laughs> apart we are with tolerance. And then she can poem and she takes a fifteen to one. And uh, in, in the meantime, in the interim, she had to go off her blood pressure medicine because her blood pressure got regulated. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, fantastic. So she hasn't been on blood pressure medicine for almost eight years now. Mm, that's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. So, Vicki, what would you say has been the main gain of being on cannabis versus being on pills? Huh. Everything. I mean, I... I mean, I'm 52. I, I feel great. I I can't explain it to people, but I, like he said, I'm, he says I'm the Energizer Bunny. I just I just go and go and go. I don't I don't ache. I don't get tired. Um, 
Yeah, she, she she's an amazing human being, and then with the diagnosis of MS, you would think that she would want to curl up in bed. But nope, she never she don't she never misses a day at work. She come home, she does all the work around here. Um, the cannabis oil has been an absolute godsend for her. Now, Mike, do you uh, Mike and Vicky, do you find that there are certain strains that work better for you than others? Or do you always stick to the same strain, or do you have a multiple strain uh, product that you take? Well, there's a multiple strain product that I am taking rectally now myself. It's a three strain. Right. Uh, as far as the quote unquote medicine goes, we've only ever used White Widow, one single strain. However, that is changing as we speak because I have five new strains going right now. Great. So we're going to have a total of seven strains total, and that's when I'm going to start going into the multi-strain because it's one thing I picked up on. All your testimonials, they all have one thing in common. Besides they're great, they all have one thing in common. I got her on a five-strain, six-strain, eight-strain. I noticed that. So multiple strains is definitely even more potent the way I understand yeah, we see a much higher success rate regardless of what disease condition people are fighting when it's multi multi-strains. Every plant every plant has different levels of cannabinoids, flavonoids, terpenes, et cetera. And they all work synergistically together. So you know, it's like the more the merrier. Kinda of like going to the horse races, betting on one horse or betting on five, you'll have a better chance if you bet on five. Right. Right. Well the the white widow was the one that seemed to be like kinda the one that really eradicates inflammation and does have some cancer uh, success. So yes. what I did, when I went out and got, I got um, purple haze. I got some old school Northern Lights, um, Jack Hair, um, Rocket Fuel, uh, Berry Kush, The White Widow, Romulan Diesel. So there's seven strains right now that I will start working on. I am currently growing, working on right now that when we get to the point where I start cloning and doing all that stuff, um, we're going to have a lot of oil and it's going to be multi-strain. I'm very excited to start doing that for myself, too. That's great. And you turn up the music and listen to Jimi Hendrix play Purple Haze. <laughs> Purple haze. I, I, you know, you know, you know. I had to get. It's like to me, growing up, I had, to, I had to go with some of the old school stuff that I knew. Um, you know, I had to go with uh, the the Northern Lights, the mm -hmm. Purple Haze, and the Jack Hair. I had to go with those three. And then I thought, well, let me go with one of these designer ones, and I got Shishkaberry Kush, whatever the heck that is. But, um. So that, you know, the multi-strain is something that I'm very much looking forward to uh, delving into so I can see more benefits for my own personal self, too. Now, Corey, real quick, would you would you um, recommend Vic doing a, a rectal suppository? Well, yes and no. I mean, if she's getting the relief she needs um taking it orally, that's great. One of the reasons for rectal dosing is so that you don't get high. And also, you know, you can get a bigger dose in if you're fighting, you know, a life-threatening illness. Um, but there certainly is that new information out there as of a year ago indicating that the concentration of cannabinoids uh, rectally versus orally is just so much stronger um, than oral dosing. 100 times stronger for THC, 250 times stronger for CBD. Wow. So that in itself may be a reason to look at doing rectal dosing.
Wow. Yeah. Most sure. definitely. It sounds like Vicky has a heck of a tolerance level, though. Oh, I do. Ian's jealous. <laughs> Ian, uh, I call I, her. She's polluted. <laughs> she's polluted with THC. Um, and God bless her because she can take these high. Do- I mean, I've only ever seen. We've been together 25 years. And I think uh, I've only ever seen her high twice. And I'll tell you the funny story about how she, she was mm-hmm. high just recently. Yeah. In my little pan that I, my little pan that I make my mixtures and oils up in, the last, the last uh, pills I make are always the strongest ones, and there's always some left in the pan that I leave in there. And my brother comes down. We were making sausage sandwiches, and he ended up doing the uh, onions and peppers in that pan without washing it out. And it was lo- it, it was yeah. loaded, and luckily I did not take any of those peppers and onions, but Vicky did. And that's that's the second time in 25 years I saw her high. Yes, she was high. <laughs> but other than, that, other than that, she has a tolerance that you would never know it. You would never know it at all. Yeah. Vicky, I wish I could get there. <laughs> yeah, Vicky. One of the things uh, I was looking up about the symptoms of optic neuritis is you get pain when you move your eyes, blurred vision, loss of color vision, which you have. Correct. Yes, I do. And trouble seeing to the side. Um, yep. A hole in the center of your vision. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's yeah. there. The other one, blindness in rare cases. Uh, you don't have that. A headache, a dull ache behind your eyes. No. In the beginning, I did have um, pressure. My eye was very sensitive, sensitive to light and bending over and things like that. Yeah. But that was in the very, very beginning. It's interesting that adults uh, usually get optic neuritis in only one eye, but children may have it in both. But it sounds to me is like, like you've got control of this and uh, your use of cannabis and your unbelievably high tolerance uh, level for cannabis is working in your favor. Um. Are you off all other medications now? Yes, I am. And do your doctors know what you're doing? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> the neurologist, uh, like I said, I, I've um, when I mentioned to him, he kind of uh, you know disregarded it. Uh, he did not ask me, but when I told him I had stopped the medicine, he I said I was trying the natural. Uh, way mm-hmm. also informed him that i was taking like whole food supplements like selenium silica and chromium mm-hmm. and he just um he just said they're trace minerals he said they're trace minerals they're not going to help you he said <laughs> that was his answer so i've been taking those as well along with the cannabis oil yeah Vicky, My- did you did you have a tolerance right out of the gate or did you have to build it up uh, right out of the gate. <laughs> wow. She's been, <laughs> she's been smoking marijuana since she's about 13 years old. Uh, Mike, uh, she's an expensive date. Good thing well, you're growing. Well, I got I, I got to tell you something. I got I got to be transparent here, and I want people to hear this too because I think this is important. Um, I was a police officer for 12 years, 
Um, you know, I knew my wife smoked marijuana. Um, and so to not to be hypocritical, I never arrested anybody for marijuana possession only because of my own experience with marijuana. I smoked tractor trailer loads of it before I became a cop. I enjoyed it back then. I don't know why. Um, cause now, uh, all these years later, I worry about getting paranoid. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> That's why I can't. Ju- I started off taking seventy to ones. I finally got myself down to thirties. Um, you know, the more oil, the more benefits. I've been really pushing myself, but I don't want to put myself into that panic-driven state either. Um, and that's what makes me laugh. I laugh at. It. I think it's funny because of the fact that you know I smoked so much of it growing up. I liked it then, and now I want to use it for medicine. And I'm not too. I'm, I'm not, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I don't want to get. Like, for lack of better words, I don't want to get kind of retarded on it and have a bad experience. So, well, with, um, with, for the paranoia, you can take citicoline. It works I, like a charm. I'm, I'm the queen of paranoia on Potter. I used to be. Um, C-I-T-I-C-O-L-I-N-E. What it's for yeah. is mental clarity. What it does is block the receptor that causes any anxiety or paranoia. And peppercorns will help, too, Mike. Just... Um, Smelling and chewing peppercorns and citrus, citrus fruit, like fruit juice or something that helps as well. I've actually heard of all three of those things. And and luckily I haven't had, because I've been building my tolerance kind of slow and at my pace, I haven't had, but I think I might get some of this citicolin. Is that what it's called? Citicolin. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I wrote it down as you were spelling it. I think I might get myself some of that on hand because I'm going to be going from the 30 to a 20 real soon and that's going to be a pretty big jump for me well i think what what you should do is cook peppers and onions at a cannabis pan and have them have them with your wife and see what happens hey and thank the thank the good lord my mom didn't get any of them either because my mom my mom's dog three years ago my mom's dog went lame and he was 11 years old and that's her baby that's all she has and she said to me, Mike, she goes, do you think one of your pills would help him? I'm like, certainly not going to hurt him. And I swear on everything holy, this is true. If my mom was here. She's 74 years old. She gave him one 40 to one pill. She was helping him up on a couch and he would cry. She had to help him down off the couch and he would cry. <laughs> and he would just lay there. Um, he barely could get outside to do his business. I gave her a bunch of 40 to one pills. I figured the heck with it. 40 to one. I know dogs are a lot more sensitive to it because of their because of their receptors are, are more, uh, greater than ours or more um but i thought what's the worst going to do knock him out well he tolerated that 40 to 1 like a champ went to bed woke up the next day running around my wow. mom was like so amazed that my 74 year old mother to this to this day takes a 70 to 1 not no 60 she's doing 60 to 1 now she went from 70 to 60. This is my mom who never smoked a joint in her life, knows nothing about pot, and my mother's taking them now too. And her dog Ike is still taking them faithfully every day, and he's 14 years old. How about that? That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is an amazing story. I was hoping I wasn't going to get any negative feedback because there's a lot of people out there that really will give you a lot of flack for giving your dog cannabis oil because they say it's cruel. And you know what we say to those people? Fuck them. Yeah, I say to those people, well, go, go take the tremadol. That's going to kill your dog's liver and kidneys. Go ahead, take that instead. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
You, you too have been just uh, remarkable in telling your story, and, and I want to thank you. And uh, I think it's a, a fabulous story that uh, Vicky's starting to get a little better, I'd say. Vicky, right? Yes, Definitely. absolutely. And we'd like to thank you and Corey for inviting us on this. We appreciate that. Yes. And Vicky, you probably have one of the highest, highest tolerance levels of uh, anyone we've interviewed, right, Corey? I would say so. Yeah. Thanks very much for doing this, guys. We greatly appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. You, you too. too. A couple of weeks ago, we did uh, an interview with Katie Hazen, who had uh, thyroid cancer. And uh, I, we had an email from James Bridge, James Bridges, pardon me, of Herbage Magazine. He's the owner and publisher. He says, Corey and Ian. I just wanted to personally thank you both for your dedication and commitment to educating your listeners about the positive health benefits of cannabis. I myself am a longtime subscriber. I can't express the gratitude I have for allowing Katie to voice her journey with your listeners. She's a very valuable person to both work with and have as a personal partner. I hope your work continues to help people as it always has. Best, James Bridges. And we thank you, James, for that uh, testimonial. And uh, if you'd like to, uh, actually, we'd appreciate it if you'd uh, send a testimonial to us and we could read them uh, on the air. We don't necessarily have to use your name. We can just use your first name and we won't say where you're from. And also, if you'd like to change a life or possibly even save a life, uh, share our podcasts on the social media platform on which you subscribe, and it could be Apple, Spotify, whatever. And if you'd like to support us financially, because we have no sponsors, you are our sponsor, there are a few ways you can do it. You can become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page, and you can also make a one-time donation. Go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.